We're going to look at Ephesians 2 to start out this morning. And we want to continue to look at soul prosperity. The word says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health. That's taking care of all of your outward needs that God knows that you have need of. But of course, Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom and the things will follow. He said, I, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. And uh, there's, what we're looking at this morning is very, very important, powerful, simple, but um, it's often overlooked, or at least it's looked at on a shallow level. So many people know this on a mental, theological level, but there's the experience of it that, that really allows you to experience the richness of a soul in union with God. Remember that, you know, Paul said, I've been, I've, I've been called and commissioned to preach the mystery. The mystery that was hidden from the ages, but now has been revealed to us. And that mystery is what? Christ where? Christ where? In us. Not separate from us, but in us. Not him on a cloud and us down, down, down here, but together with us <laughs> in heavenly places. Um, and when we look at that, you know, and, and, and we were talking a little bit about the, 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 you know, the, the Ark of the Covenant in the tabernacle, that's the glory of God in the person, in the, in the heart of the man. That's Christ in you. That's, that's him living inside you. That's, that's what, when, Emmanuel, when he says, Emmanuel, God with us, it's not God with us out here. This is God with us as, uh, inside us. And we want to look at that oneness really close and put a focus on that this morning. Because if you can see this, if the Holy Spirit can, can reveal this to you, it'll change everything. It really will. It'll change your awareness. Everybody's you know, they see the need for the awareness, but, but this will help you to have that awareness 24 hours a day that you're never alone, that God's always there, always with you. You'll never feel hapless, helpless, and hopeless. In fact, Jesus said, I'll never leave you that way. I'm giving you the comforter, the spirit, myself coming to you. So Ephesians 2 verse 4, I want to look at this and, and, and we've touched on this before. We want to start here this morning. Verse 4 says, but God who is rich in mercy because of his, because of his great love for, with which he loved us. All because of love. It was all because of love. It wasn't because of hate. Jesus didn't come because he so hated sin, even though he does. <laughs> he hates sin because sin hurts you, it kills you, right? But his motivation was not that he came because he hated sin. His motivation was that he loved you. That's always what it was, because God is love. Nowhere where does it say God is hate. It says God is love. Love hates, love hates what's, what hurts those he loves. Right? But for his, with his great love for which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive. He made us alive. And that's not all of it. He made us alive what? Together with. Now, now, this is important. We want to look at this for a moment here. He made us alive, but he didn't just say, there, now you're alive. He made us alive in a certain way. He made us alive together with him. And it says that he, uh, it says, by grace you have been saved, and he raised us up. He didn't just make us alive together with him, but he raised us up. What? Anybody looking at it? He raised us up together. <laughs> 
He made us alive together. He raised us up together and he made us to sit together with him. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I didn't bring any candy this time, but you, I owe you one. He brings us, he made us to sit together with heavenly, in heavenly places in in Christ Jesus. Now, um, very quickly, we have to know that this is very important. There are three words in the Greek language that are used in different places, very prominent words that are used that mean together or with. And one of them is meta, which means in the company of. For instance, if I say, you know, I need, I, I need a cold bottle of water, you know, can somebody tell me, you know, where is it? Somebody would say, well, it's in the fridge with the butter, the milk, and the tea, and, you know, it's, it's in the company of those other things. But if I said, you know, if I were to say, say uh, you know, I'd like some tea and some water, and somebody would bring me a glass of tea and a glass of water and set it right there, that would be a different word. The word meta is in the company, as in we are together here this morning. We are in one place here. We're together. But, and that's, and we are with each other this morning. But some of you are here in the group together with us all, but you're with somebody else that's closer. You're with somebody else that's closer. And so that's the word para, not meta, where this would be, this would be meta, which is in, the, in, the, in, the, in company with, in the vicinity of, to accompany. The word para means to be beside. It means to be together with someone or something, but it means to be beside them. So that's closer. We see that that's a closer word, a different word, and it means something closer than in the general company of. So when he raised us up together with, and, and, and neither one of those words are used here. So he didn't use the word accompanied. In other words, he, he wasn't raised up and he said, uh, hey, you are too. <laughs> and he didn't just grab us to his side and say para, that he raised us up para or together with, because we're not, by, but, but it's a good sentiment. I mean, it's cl- better than just being in the general company to be beside him. And that word para is what most Christians think in their mind, but that's not what's used here either. The word para is where people, it's why we talk, you know, we use the language and we say things like, um, you know, that person walks with God. That's, that's this way. That's two beside each other, alongside each other. Uh, so-and-so is close to God. I want to get close to God. What they're, what they're thinking usually in their mind is, I want to be like this. But neither one of those words are used. The word that is used here for together and with is the word pronounced soon, S-U-N. And it doesn't mean in the company of, and it doesn't mean beside someone or something. It means to be in union or in oneness with. So that's, that's the together we're talking about. The difference is this. If, if I say, if I say um, you know, would somebody get me some tea and water? And then they come and they bring me a glass of tea and they bring me a glass of water. That's para. They're beside each other. But I say, no, I don't want tea and water. I want tea and water. I want, I want tea and water. So you take the tea and you pour it in the water. That kind of tea and water. <laughs> Not beside each other, but together with. That way. In union with. As one. And if you pour tea in this water, what happens in that union? What, you, they become one. It's just one drink now. Because you can't separate the two. They have become one, right? And that's what we're talking about here. Now, 
most of you already would probably agree with me that on a theological and certainly on, a, on a, uh, an intellectual level. But here, this is very key because this is where people miss it. Because in their mentality still, they feel like, like, like Jesus is he's either up there. What do you think of when you say Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father? But it said that he raised us up and made us sit together with him in heavenly places. Right. So so there was a there's a union that was made. Now, the union that was made, I want to show you. I want to show you this. Go with me uh, over to chapter five of Ephesians. And show you how real this is and and how it happened. Uh, you know, Judy, was, I heard her talking earlier and she was saying, you know, we believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. We believe that he was that he died on the cross. We believe that he raised on the third day. We believe and we believe that he ascended on high. Well, if we really believe that and we do, I believe we do. I know the Holy Spirit gives us that conviction and you couldn't rip it out of us. The world has tried and it just hasn't been able to. <laughs> You believe that with everything and you're staking everything on that. And rightly so. But if you believe that, then simply believe the truth of what that means and what what accompanies that, what goes with that. What does that really mean that he did that? We believe he did it. But when you see what we're looking at this morning, you don't see it as a work that's separate from you. And because people see him as somehow still separate in some way, either they see him way up there and you way down here, or they see him just out out there somewhere, or even right here somewhere. But because he's not a part of you, he's next to you or around you or far from you or whatever. That's why people have the questions, does God hear me? Does God care? He does things forever and wonderful, but will he do this for me? I heard other testimonies, but hasn't worked out that way for me. Maybe, why, what's wrong with me? How, where am I missing the connection here? There is no misconnection between you and Jesus. He made the connection, but what we want to hear is something by the Spirit that will help you to know of that connection so you can enjoy the connection and benefit from it. Because the, the thing that makes a soul prosperous, the thing that made our soul rich, was simply the riches get deposited in our, in, in, in our soul. It was Him. He's the riches, the mind of Christ, the everything, the all in all, (laughs) the perfect love, the peace that passes understanding, the joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. It's all there. But why have people not benefited from it? Because God said, my people are destroyed not for a lack of me, but from a lack of knowledge, (laughs) a lack of awareness. We've been an idea has been promote not has not been promoted about the mystery that Paul began to preach 2000 years ago. The Christ in us theologically will say he's in us, but in practical application, people still think he's outside of us. And if you can get this reality here, you'll wake up and you will never have to try. You will never struggle with the idea of feeling like. You're apart from God or God doesn't care or or, or that you're all alone in this. You'll never feel like it's on you anymore. Remember, soul poverty happened to mankind when when we, Adam, 
went on our own and everything became on us and we, we were alone. Hmm? Remember, you know, and, and we talked about it last, last week, you know, Adam, Adam throws Eve under the bus, right? Because he's got to defend himself. He thinks he's being accused and he's like, well, don't blame me. And the woman, watch this, that he once called, he once spoke of oneness. She is one with me. He said, she is flesh of my flesh. She is bone of my bone. Now that he's gone on his own, he's out for himself. He's not looking at her as flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone. She's somebody separate now. She's not a part of him. She's a separate entity. Don't blame it on me. Blame it on her. The woman you gave me, God. And God seems like a separate entity now because they're not in oneness now. He, Adam went on his own. So now he, said he can even blame God. The problem is out there somewhere. I want to show you, look at this beautiful picture. Of this union in Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. We could just close the book right there and that'd be a good sermon, right? No? Okay. No amens? Husbands, I knew it. Female amens, right. No real amen. <laughs> Manly amens on that. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself, gave himself, gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, talking about Jesus or the tortoise church, so that he might present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. He gave himself so she could be this way. So ought husbands to love their own wives as their own body. Now, I've, I've, I've got to stop right here because I, there's a point I, I, I want to make, and I'm going to show this to you if we, here, here in just the next few moments. But I used to, when I, we, when I read that, me and all of my friends that, that preached it and talked about it, we would read that passage and we put it off into some prophetic something down the road. And we would say, you know, what's going to happen, what God's doing, what he's preparing, is he's going to make us a glorious church, and he's working on that now. And if he's going to present to himself a glorious church, and we say, you know, that means that, that when he comes, you know, he's, his church is going to be glorious and, and hallelujah. And aren't we going to be beautiful and grand in that day? But between now and then, we said, the Lord's going to have to do a lot of washing and ironing because he's getting rid of the spots and the wrinkles and the blemishes in the church. And the reason we would say that is because we weren't being spiritual at all. We were being very carnal and we were looking at the outside and we saw the spots and the wrinkles. Huh? The Bible said, you know, when, you, when you're operating now the spirit, the mind of Christ, he says, he, says, he says the Messiah, Christ, he will not judge by the, by the seeing of his eyes. Because God looks on the heart. Huh? And I, didn't, I wasn't looking at the glorious work. I wasn't looking at Jesus. I wasn't looking at the riches of glory. I wasn't looking at the mystery. I was looking at, at, at and I said, and, and, and I thought that this had to do with, do, do with that. Like that old joke. I can't help it. I tell it every time I read this, you know, the two old guys in the nursing home playing checkers. And then the old lady trying to get their attention all the time. They didn't care because all they want to do is play checkers. And so she finally, she keeps flirting and they don't ever care. They never look at her. And so she said, I'll get them to look at me. She said, finally, she just takes her clothes off and just jogs right by them. And they never did lift their head up. They just kept playing checkers. One of them said, did you see that? The other one said, I sure did. Well, what was she wearing? 
I don't know, but it sure needed ironing. And people look at the church that way. It's an old bad joke. I've I, I got to put it in every time. The, 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 uh, people look at the church that way and say, look at the church. She sure needs ironing. But they're not looking at the secret, the mystery. He gave himself to make us this way. And, and my, my, my reality of this changed when I started looking at all the other verses that said, he has made us blameless. He has made us spotless. He's made us without, he's made us holy without blemish in his sight. What did that? That blood of Jesus we were talking about earlier. That took care of the spots. Huh? That took care of all that, that was wrong. Watch this. I'll show, it, I'll show it to you in just a moment. So husbands, okay, let me say it this way. We would look at that and we would say, here's how I would say it. I thought I had some deep revelation. I say, you know, the Lord tells us not to be unequally yoked, so he's not going to be unequally yoked either. So church, you better get with it. You better start being like Jesus. We better be start acting like a glorious church. We better start getting better. Get rid of the sin. Get rid of all the, that's, all the spots and the blemishes. Get rid of all the wrinkles. Come on. And I realized that, wait a minute. We were already made a help meet. We were already made meat for the master's use. We were already in a place to be equally yoked with him when Jesus did what he did. Do you know when we became equally yoked with Jesus? In marriage or union. You know, 1 Corinthians tells us, he that's joined to the Lord is one spirit, not two. So when you understand this, you quit saying things like, oh, I'll tell you what, I want to do this, but God wants to do that. When you you realize, if you can see what we're talking about here, you'll never feel like that again. It's just you and Jesus. Got a good thing going. Hmm? And you're growing. And your soul might have some many lessons to learn in this, but it's fun because you're in union. You're one. And it makes it easy, I promise you. You grow like a weed when you see this. It, it, but, but here's when we were made equally yoked. Here's when, we, here's when we came together. Jesus came into union with us when we were dead in trespasses and sins. Instead of create putting himself as the standard and waiting for us to become like him so there can be a wedding, he became like us. He tasted death when we were dead. He became sin when we were sinners. He made it equally yoked by coming down and being like us. He joined us in death. He joined us. He joined us in sin. Partaking of all, bearing all the sin of the world. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says he became all that sin. You've just done some. He became it. (laughs) We became united when he did that. that. On that cross, on that cross is where the wedding happened, the union happened, the joining of God and man was made a reality. The good news was the grave couldn't hold this one. So this one was going to come out of that grave and he did. 
But now he's married. <laughs> huh? He's got somebody who's a part of him now. He's got a bride. Huh? And when he was made alive, she was made alive too. Are y'all seeing this? The unions happened. You're not trying to get close to God. He already got close to you. You're not trying to approach God. He approached you. You're one. All you got to do is know. That'll make this easy. I promise you. It makes it so easy. This is the rest that he calls us to rest with. It take away all the trouble of you trying to do you. <laughs> and you trying to connect somehow. None of the religions, none of the philosophies, none of the motivational speeches, none of the work, none of the self-efforts, none of the wars, none of the crusades, none of the nothing. Ever caused us to get closer to, to approach God. None of the rituals, none of the rites, none of the sacraments. Nothing worked, ever will work, except the one thing that did work. Jesus came and drew near to us. He didn't sit in his heaven and keep saying, draw near to me, come on up here, come on up here. I don't even see the come up higher as a, as a command to us anymore. I see it in the, in the revelation of Christ. In the revelation of Christ, the call was fulfilled. We came up higher. We were made to sit with him. We're seated with him in heavenly places. You, there's no higher to come up anymore. We're with him. Now, when you know that, that brings joy. When you know that, that brings security. You know that you're with God right now. You're in a fallen world. There's trouble here. There's pain around here. And we deal with it, but we deal with it from on high. We deal with it in the spirit. We deal with it in peace and power and joy and love. We deal with it together with the one who came into this ugly world to join us in it. And give us a, a new nature, a new creation. To put himself in us and us in him. You ever notice that language in the Bible? You say, which one is it? Christ in us or we in Christ? Which one is it? It's both. It's like the tea in the water. You can't tell if the tea's in the water or the water's in the tea. It's one. Hmm? Did the peanut butter mix with the chocolate or the chocolate with the peanut butter in the Reese's cup? It's, it doesn't matter. You bite it, you get both. <laughs> But he said, now he gets back, getting back here to this husband and wife thing. He says, and he's using Jesus and his church, the husband and wife. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but he nourishes it. Oh, my goodness. Uh, verse 28 again. So husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He's talking about oneness here, union, right? Because your body is a part of you. <laughs> love your wife as if she's a part of you. Not a separate entity. And honestly, biblically, in the kingdom, not just as a partner. But as one with you, part of who you are. So if I've got the tea and the water mixed up in here, and they become one, and you don't like the taste, is it the tea that tastes bad or is it the water that tastes bad? It don't matter, it's all the same. Like I told you, like the woman, this really happened and many years ago. My, my pastor preached a message on uh, admonishing couples, marriage, and, and told them about, that, about this mystery of one. He said, so, so you can't blame each other for anything. If your spouse does it, it's the same as you doing it, right? And I thought that was a good revelation. I mean, you know, how can you get mad at somebody when you're the one that did it? 
No, he did it. She did it. Well, the reason you talk like that is because you're thinking, we've got a separation mentality. You don't know the truth. You're one. If you knew the truth, you would never, never attack the other one, never blame the other one. Never, it'd never be that because you're, 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 you're one. But see, when you have a, a, poverty, a poverty soul, which we got when we pulled away from God. When, and remember, when Adam pulled away from God, now he's not seeing himself in union with God. He's seeing him and God as separate entities. So now this one God who was his covering, his provider, his best friend, his protection, his lover, his, who was his all in all, who was his everything, because he's got a separation mentality, now he thinks God's his accuser, his antagonizer. Now instead, when he hears the sound of God, instead of enjoying the union as he once did, he pulls away because he's got to protect him. When he, when he knew he was in union with God, he didn't ever have to protect himself. There was no him to protect. It was him and God. And the new creation is you and him, you and, you and God, Christ in you. The new, the mystery is the tea in the water or the water in the tea. Whatever it is, it's one. Are y'all seeing this? As you become aware of this thing, this, this gets so good and easy. It, 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 your faith becomes automatic. You just, you just, you're just secure. You are such at peace because you're in the best place you could possibly be. Always with him. Not with him. With him. That's the real Emmanuel. He said, he who loves his wife is love, really loving himself. He who's hating his wife or, or spouse, we'll say, it goes both ways, is hating himself. Well, why does it seem like the other? Because you haven't known the truth yet. But Jesus said, well, you know the truth. That truth will make you free. Hmm? People get a hold of this. They'll never have a problem with their walk with God. They'll never struggle with it if they know this. And if you know this, you're, you're, the way you relate to God is how you'll relate to everything else. You see, because, of, because of, 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 of Adam's changed perception in the way he relates to God, notice it also changed how he related to Eve. Hmm? Why? Because he's alone. Everybody feels alone. Couples feel alone, even though they got somebody with them 24-7 beside them. But they still feel alone many times because they're not aware of a mystery that really happened. When you wed, when you made that commitment, you took the vows, a miracle happened and two lives became one. But if you haven't known the truth, you'll struggle thinking that you're two. It's me against you. That's how, we ref that's how it goes in the body of Christ. Watch this. For no one ever hated his own flesh or his own body, but he nourishes it and he cherishes it like the Lord does the church. Do you know, Jesus is, does not struggle with seeing himself one with all the body. Why do Christians struggle with seeing themselves one with the body? Because they don't see themselves one with God. If one, once you can see yourself in union with God as one entity with God, I mean, this, this is a miracle. This is a mystery. This isn't philosophical. Something happened. 
If he died on the cross, if he raised from the dead, if he ascended on high, then this happened too. <laughs> For we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. You know what happens when you see this? Here's how you start relating to the body. The body of Christ worldwide. You become a nourisher and you cherish them. But they're ugly. It didn't stop Jesus from being one with me. The ugliest of them all. <laughs> but when you can see your oneness with God, you can feel the oneness with him because something happens to you when you're aware of the union. Something automatically starts happening. You start taking on his ways. You start, see... In the tabernacle, what happened? When we see the picture of the tabernacle, which is the picture of man, the body, the soul, the spirit, the spirit is where is God, the holy of holies, the tabernacle within, the dwelling place. Jesus ripped that veil wide open. He did a remodeling. The tabernacle and temple, you can't teach it with three sections anymore, not with Jesus. Now it's the body and the inner man. Now it's the soul and the spirit are one. He that's joined to the Lord is one spirit. The marriage happened. The union happened inside you. And when you know that, it's not your will versus God's will. What's happened, what happened, whatever was bottled up in that holy of holies is starting to flood your soul. It's changing what you think now, how you see things, what you want now. It's becoming like the husband. And that's the real submission to the husband, the soul, to the spirit. And you start to get his joy. You certainly get his love. And, you, and, and he is the spirit of understanding. Suddenly, I can understand. Now it's not hard to love the unlovely. Now it's not hard to love the body who doesn't believe like me and who's different than me and, and, and totally got it all wrong and maybe even doing wrong in my sight. It's not the issue anymore. I have understanding. Even when people are offensive and they, and, and they hurt you, I don't have to protect me anymore. You, you, gain, you, you gain, you, you become... As he is, so are you. And it, and it affects literally your soul, your mind, your emotions, your will. And that's soul abundance, soul prosperity. And that is how you have heaven on earth in, a, in, a, in, an, in an ugly world. It's how you live in another place. We don't need to go higher. The higher has come to us and taken us with him. If you're aware of truth... You'll feel like you're higher. You won't feel like you've got to get down here and wrestle with people. You can love. You can understand. You know what they're doing? I, I, I've been hurt. I've been backstabbed. I've been betrayed. Why could Jesus say, Father, forgive them because they don't know? Because they don't know. They're doing the best they can. They're just looking out for number one, too. They're trying to help themselves. And if it hurts you, so be it. They've got to help themselves, they think. They, they, they're alone. They feel separated. They feel they got to do what they got to do. In their eyes, many times, it's better, better, better they hurt me than them, you know. I understand that loneliness. I understand the pain. I understand the separation. I can't blame them. You say, well, they're just evil. You need more understanding. God does, and God loves. 
But you get the understanding from enjoying the oneness with God. I've got to finish this. He says, for we're members of his body. We're flesh of his, and we are flesh and of his flesh and of his bones. Interesting, the same thing Adam said to Eve, God says to us. Flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone, one with him. Verse 31, we hear this, we, do this, we speak this in every marriage ceremony we do. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become what? One, one flesh, one, 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 one. This is not pretty poetry. In fact, he says, it's a great mystery. I know it's hard to grasp logically. It's a great mystery. But I'm speaking, he says, of what? Christ and the church, that union. Here's how easy this gets when you see this. Are, are y'all hearing anything this morning? This is, this is something that... This is a simple, simple awareness of a reality, a basic new creation reality. And when you're convinced of this, when you, as you're becoming aware of this and convinced of it, it makes everything easy. You know why? Because now you're in a relationship. You're not trying to get one. In fact, you got one whether you <laughs> know it or not. But when you know it, you can enjoy it. People say, well, how do I get to know God more? I say, I tell people more and more, quit trying so hard. Enjoy what you got. When you wake up, you're with him. <laughs> Enjoy it. I don't, I, don't, I don't try hard anymore. It just, the growth is happening because, because I'm with him. And when you're aware of that together with, he starts rubbing off on you. You start learning his ways. You start hearing things he's saying. He's, you start, he starts, it just starts changing, and you're not, you're not trying. You don't feel like you're in school. I ain't going around taking notes and, and God and, and, and this and that, and, and, and how do I do this, and how do I do that? And people are always asking, how do I do, how do I do, how do I do? There's a lot of things I don't know yet, but you know what I do every day is I enjoy the relationship. This thing is good. It fulfilled me. It gave me the love that I, that I need, and it's always there, and I'll never, ever, ever have a moment without being loved. And it's not love from this far away. It's always a part of me. Love becomes a part of who you are. Joy becomes a part of who you are. Boy, I wish I had some videos of, of before Christ and after. So people could know, could know how, how totally joyless and hopeless I, I lived. <laughs> it wasn't theological mental schooling that changed me. The relationship of someone that loved me enough to be one with someone who I thought was so unlovable and so un un uh, unlovely. And got to know this God no matter what. It took me a while to figure this out in him, but once I began to see this, I started growing like a weed. There's no question about his love, love for me or for you because look what he did to be with you. I know what it's like to just want to be with someone and not just be, be with them. You know, uh, you know, after it didn't take, take long after I got to, to know Judy, I, I told her, I said, you know, one thing I know is I don't want to be apart from you. Now, she dated guys before that were content to date. 
They were with. They were together. But when we met, I was someone that didn't want to date. <laughs> I didn't want to be in her company. <laughs> I wanted that. And I got me that. <laughs> and now I'm not trying hard. Now, Judy, it's time for me to learn some more about you. Tell me this. Tell me that. Tell me the other. And, and it's not that we, you know, you will, have, you will have good conversations and questions and all that. And it's fun. But, but it's all in good fun. It's all in enjoying each other. I'll use this one, and it works both ways, but, you know, you know, shortly after we were married, and, and, you know, she had never been married before, and I'd been married all my life, it seemed, and she, she says, so what, 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 are, what are some things I can do to be a better wife, you know? You got some answers, tell me. What, what can I do to be a better wife to you? And I said, just keep breathing. Because this ain't hard. We're just going to enjoy each other. And as you're enjoying these, the, each other, you start learning the rest. Y'all see this? That's why we're at rest in this. We have made this, this Christian walk so hard because of a separation mentality. Would y'all stand up? How y'all doing? When you realize because of this, you're fixed for life, for eternity, you won't feel alone. You won't feel helpless because in truth you're not. And you know what? It's not that faith becomes automatic. You have a confident expectation of good. You have a trust in God that is so solid and so secure. But it's not the kind of faith that operates in fear where you're trying to control everything by faith. You're enjoying God in a world that you know It's very far from perfect. And because of this relationship, you you, you start, you find out, you know, my problems were not this old world anyway. Maybe that's why Jesus didn't come and change the whole world 2,000 years ago and take out all the bad things that happened then. He really did, but he started in the hearts of a few men. And he said, of the increase of this thing and of peace, there will be no end. Because it went from Jesus to those apostles to the thousands on the day of Pentecost and increasing every year, every cent, every hundred years, every thousand years until somehow that message got to me and you. Of the increase, there shall be no end. But we're in a wonderful day of unveiling right now, to be honest with you. We're unveiling truth that creation has been groaning for. Because this truth here will enable you to easily, just just by breathing with Him, enjoying Him. Please do that. Please enjoy this today, tomorrow. If nothing else is going right out there, I know we go through some hard things in this world. But if nothing else is going right, enjoy that you and God are together in it. Because He's beautiful. He's wonderful. He's so giving and loving and kind and comforting and powerful. That's my word. Just enjoy that. Enjoy the oneness. 
So, so, so you and your spouse, you and your mate, you and your people you work with, you and your bosses, you know, all the people, all the things that were our problems. Maybe there's a lot of things that aren't right. But enjoy the oneness because there's a lot to enjoy. I love you, Lord. <laughs> and I love who you are and what you've done. And I trust in your Holy Spirit to help us all see the riches of this inheritance that you have put in us, in, our, in the saints. Let everyone have a higher and clearer level of eyesight so that it puts a bigger spring in our step. And this awareness causes a joy that can, can overflow from us to somebody else, a love that can overflow, an enjoyment of life with you that can be a sign and a wonder to someone else. You're in your tabernacle this morning, and we thank you for being a healer from the inside out of our bodies this morning. As we're aware of you, you're arising with healing in your wings. Arising, not descending. Arising, shining in us. With healing. With healing for our pain, for our bodies. Healing for every single thing. For you are life. No wonder we love you. No wonder we call you our deliverer and savior. And you're the friend that really and truly is closer than even a brother. We stand in awe of you and we love you. And we give you all the praise in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. <laughs>